all you have. We would be honored if you would join us. What's happening, Far Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archive. So how's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going well on your side of the galaxy. Everything is about the same out here on the Outer Rim. So today I wanted to get right into something that is coming up quick. I'm talking about Star Wars Day, a.k.a. May the 4th. As in May the 4th be with you, it is right around the corner, and it is a great time to treat yourself or other Star Wars fans in your life to something special. <laughs> a Star Wars-themed gift. You can find Star Wars themed versions of just about anything, from popular board games to smart home devices, to help you celebrate Star Wars Day with your friends and family. Whether you are looking to celebrate Star Wars Day on May the 4th, or looking for a birthday, Mother's Day, Father's Day gift, or the Star Wars fan in your life, I've got you covered with this Star Wars gift guide. I rounded up the top Star Wars gifts across a variety of price points, age groups, and product categories, so that you can find something for every Star Wars enthusiast on your list. And don't worry, we have found plenty of Mandalorian-themed gifts for those who can't get enough of the Disney Plus Star Wars show. The Grogu-themed Star Wars Instapot Duo is a great gift for adult Star Wars fans. The Instapot Duo is a versatile kitchen device. It has 13 pre-programmed settings, including soup, slow cook, keep warm, pressure cook, steam, and simmer. It's great for making easy, delicious dinners. The special edition features an adorable Grogu design. There is also a Stormtrooper and Darth Vader design available as well. The Instapot Star Wars Duo Little Bounty 6 Quart will run you about $100. If you're shopping for a Star Wars fan that likes to travel, consider gifting this fun Star Wars themed luggage set. This set includes an 18-inch hard side carry-on suitcase and a 21-inch spinner that can be used as a check bag. Both feature four multi-directional spinner wheels for easy mobility. They also come with a 10-year warranty against defects, so you can be confident in your purchase. The American Tourist Star Wars Hard Side Luggage Set can be purchased for around $120. Monopoly is a fan-favorite board game, but this special edition version is inspired by The Mandalorian Season 2, and it can take the fun up a notch for the Star Wars fan in your life. Fans can play as their favorite characters from The Mandalorian Season 2. Each character has special abilities that is depicted on their character card. Players can also battle Imperial enemies, including Stormtroopers, Dark Troopers, and Moth Gideon. This is a great gift option for Star Wars fans of all ages, and you can buy this game for around $20. Then we found Funko Pops, the popular collectible figures modeled after beloved characters. This fun 5-piece set includes Darth Vader, Stormtrooper, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, and Chewbacca together with a built-in stand, and you can pick this up for around $30. If you are looking for a useful tech gift to give your favorite Star Wars fan, you should consider the Amazon Echo Dot button that has a Star Wars Grogu inspired stand. It can be used as an Amazon smart speaker to control your home via voice command, make calls hands free, play music, and set an alarm. You can choose from three colors. The Amazon Echo Dot 5th generation with Grogu stand can be purchased for around $75. You can also get the latest Star Wars game, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. It is coming out April 28th, just in time for Star Wars Day. The game follows Cal's journey now that he has came into his own and grown into a powerful Jedi Knight. The game includes new force abilities and lightsaber fighting styles along with new planets and familiar frontiers in the Star Wars galaxy. Star Wars Jedi Survivor is available for pre-order now for PS5, PC, and Xbox. And the game runs for about $70 for all consoles. Now, is your Star Wars fan into Legos? Maybe they would like to build a model of the Rise of Skywalker Millennium Falcon. Well, with this 1,351-piece Lego set, they can do just that. 
It also comes with Finn, Chewbacca, Lando, C-3PO, and Bully minifigures. The Starship has a rotating top and bottom gun turrets, two spring-loaded shooters, and a lowering ramp, and an opening cockpit. It is recommended for ages 9 and up, and you can buy this LEGO set for $140. What about the Razor Crest from The Mandalorian? This LEGO spaceship comes with the minifigures of The Mandalorian, Grief Karga, a Scout Trooper, and the Child, plus IG-11 and weapons. The 1023-piece set is ideal for ages 10 and up, and you can pick this LEGO set up for around $140 as well. I will put links to all of these in the description. Okay, now let's get back to Brotherhood, because when we left off last week, Obi-Wan and Anakin made some short work of those droids. Luke took out a couple of the Seekers to help them out, and then they see a flare. It was the sign that Mill had found a way out, but Obi-Wan wanted to talk to Rue first, but Anakin didn't think that was a good idea, so he grabbed him by the arm and they run away. So let's see what's happening now. Anakin Skywalker. Anakin wanted to beat Obi-Wan to the alley. Not because it was a race or anything along those lines. This represented a more practical need. He landed on the ground, then rushed over into the alley where Mill stood in the shadows. R2-D2 shook with beeps of greetings before rolling forward to greet Obi-Wan. That gave enough time for Anakin to connect with Mill. Listen, I haven't told Obi-Wan about you yet. What? Mill asked. Her eyes grew wide under her hood. Am I going to get in trouble? He's on the council. Hello, R2. Glad you could come help us out. Chirps and whirs came from the droid in return. I heard. You're quite the bomb finder. Are you... Anakin didn't need the force to detect Obi-Wan's eyes turning their way. He stood up, back still to his former master. And by now, Mill had to be close enough to give away who she really was. A youngling? Mill looked up at Anakin, and Anakin responded with a nod. The young Zabrak removed her hood, and in the low light of the alley, the silhouette of her horns and ponytail became clear. Anakin. Obi-Wan's voice turned into the familiar scolding. What are you thinking? This is no place for a youngling. Master. Anakin started before intentionally pausing and regrouping, stifling his instinct to argue. Obi-Wan. Some time ago, such a switch could have been construed as a sign of disrespect. But here, his quieter voice projected different intentions. He addressed a colleague now, without the formality required with a mentor. And Obi-Wan's face softened. The harsh lines, ready to unleash another lecture about protocols and safety, loosening up into a willingness to listen, if not necessarily understand. This is Jedi Initiate Mill Alabeth, Anakin said. I know it seems strange, risky for her to be here, but I'm asking you to trust me on this. Mill moved beside Anakin, standing with straight shoulders and tall chest. She's quite capable. Obi-Wan's brow crinkled in concern, as Anakin had seen so many times before. But it usually preceded a sigh of exasperation, followed by crossed arms and a shaking head. Those reflexive motions didn't arrive. Instead, Obi-Wan stood in simple contemplation, 
focus moving between Anakin and Mill. You are a Jedi Knight now for a reason, he said, his words even and careful. I will defer to your judgment. His head tilted, a smile sneaking through. I see you learned something talking to all those younglings. Don't worry, Anakin said. No way am I taking on a Padawan. Several toots and blips came from R2-D2, the astromech droid bouncing back and forth. Understood. We'll hurry, Anakin said. Mill, what do you have for us? She took a step forward, her facade of confidence melting away back to the same youngling who'd been with him over the past few days. Skilled, intelligent, and naturally talented, but only starting to grow into herself. She gestured at the buildings around them and over at the makeshift infirmary behind Obi-Wan. There aren't many guards here, if any, she said. R2? R2-D2 projected a map, a rotating model of the neighborhood around them, with a red line winding around and forming a large curve to get to a dot. And the path will take us through the unguarded areas. Mill traced her finger over it, stopping at the bend in the curve. There may be some activity over here, but I think between R2 and our senses, we can move by it quickly. Several more staccato beeps came from the droid. They're closing in, Anakin said. What did he say? Mill asked. I'm, uh, still learning to understand droid. He's picking up patrol chatter that shows activity to the far east of us, over by where the trial took place, Anakin said. Obi-Wan looked over his shoulder, then took a step forward. Youngling, how do you know the details of guard locations? Have you tapped into the Neymodian security network? No, Master, I scouted forward. She looked up at Anakin, who gave a simple nod of encouragement. I have an ability to sense patrol movement. Obi-Wan asked aloud before his voice dropped to internal musing. That could be a tactical advantage on the battlefield. No, not that. I sense pain. Master Skywalker is helping me learn to control it. Obi-Wan raised an eyebrow his way. I can see the distress of the patients here. They're rescued from the disaster site or recovering after damage from the bomb itself. Physical pain, or emotions. I give in to the Force and I see it like you might see heat on a thermoscope. Interesting, Obi-Wan said, stroking his beard. Anakin knew the gesture and the tone of voice. Some people would use that word as a polite dismissive, but Obi-Wan only did so when his curiosity sparked. Can you soothe them? I, um, don't know. I've only tried once on just one patient, but I've noticed a pattern with all of the infirmaries they've set up. She pointed again to the large tent. They're not guarded. It's only medical staff here. Anakin closed his eyes and reached into the force, sensing the space around them. She's right. At least here. 
R2, enhance your audio. See if you can pick up the types of droids. R2-D2 beeped an affirmative, then went silent, before turning his dome and chittering at Anakin. R2 says that based on what he knows about droid movements, it sounds like medical droids. No battle droids. I don't know if they're giving the patients peace to heal, or if... Mill gulped before staring straight at the tent. If they just don't care, like they just get in the way... Anakin was about to say something about how, of course, the Trade Federation would treat victims as assets, but Obi-Wan spoke first. It is not up to us to judge why this is the case. There could be a cultural history in place here, but this does give us an advantage. Youngling, he said, kneeling to put himself on her level, then tilting his head up to meet her eye to eye. It is a unique gift. You should embrace it. And I have a challenge for you. A challenge? Before we leave Katerne, Moidia, I need to get to the governmental data center and retrieve evidence. It is right next to the largest of these temporary infirmaries. Obi-Wan looked up at Anakin. My friend found it ironic, he said, before turning back to me. Between you and R2, I believe we can get there undetected. Then let's get going, Anakin said. The quicker we move, the quicker we can get back to the original planet and fly off this planet. The projection from R2-D2 shifted, its rotation stopping to zoom out and show a new location, this time with a green line that followed the same path for about half the journey before turning left instead of right at the bend. The force brings us together at the right moments, Obi-Wan said, nodding at Mill. He's right. Young Lin, lead the way. And let's try to stay in the shadows. No more rooftop business for us. Those seeker remotes will be looking. You could just say that we're lucky she's here. Anakin, you keep believing in luck. I didn't say I believed in luck. He patted Mill on the shoulder, prompting a smile on her face. But that doesn't stop us from being lucky. Mill set off down the alley with her hood back over her horned head, R2-D2 rolling behind her. Anakin followed, and Obi-Wan kept pace with him. A quick but quiet walk. From the sky, Zara glowed with elegant structures and lush topiaries. In all of the areas that Mill identified, though, it might as well have been the industrial sector of Coruscant. With most of the infirmaries pushed to the outskirts of the bridge city, moving toward the data center proved quite easy. The medical droids and nursing personnel too wrapped up in immediate concerns to care about any detected movement. They'd made it about halfway across R2-D2's projected route when Mill suddenly stopped. What's wrong, Mill? Anakin asked. She took another step forward, though her hands pressed against her head. He moved to support her weight, and though she tried to push him off, whatever suddenly ailed her plucked at her strength. I sense something. Obi-Wan came up alongside them, soon followed by R2-D2. Scan the area for guards or threats, he said to the astromech, though he gave her space to breathe. 
R2-D2 beeped an acknowledgement, then rolled several meters away before a small sensor dish emerged from the droid's round dome. Is someone approaching? Anakin asked. No, but they're nearby. It's fear, suffering, rage. She pressed her hands against her temples, then began glancing around, each movement seemingly a struggle. She opened her eyes and stared Anakin in the face. I can't shut it off. It's so overwhelming that... Anakin took her hands but looked around as well. Is it the infirmary over there? Anakin said, pointing to the adjacent warehouse converted into a local trauma ward. No, I sense them, but this is different. And it's so much that I sense it everywhere. And I think... It's just one person, but the pain they're feeling. Mill's voice trailed off, but R2-D2 took up the space, beeping fast enough to cause the droid to tilt back and forth. A bomb, Obi-Wan asked. Light came out of the astromech's optical projector, and a map emerged into existence. A simple red X, marking a location not too far from them. Come on, Anakin said, picking up Mill. Obi-Wan took the lead, moving quickly with R2-D2 rolling behind him, and Anakin on lookout while carrying Mill. Something's not right, Mill said, her head leaning into Anakin's shoulder. Anakin! Obi-Wan yelled from around the corner of a forgotten building. Its doors and windows shuttered with large metal plates. He stood with the open air above the gray skies of Ketamne Moidia, casting a pale light over them until Obi-Wan's lightsaber added a tint of blue. He cut a hole with precision, moving the blade in a square without cutting it too deeply. Anakin understood the specific movements. Obi-Wan didn't want the energy of the plasma blade to accidentally set off any explosives. Obi-Wan stepped back, then put his hand out, fingers spread widely, and through the force, he extracted the square-shaped metal slab before dropping it into the empty alley. There it is, Obi-Wan said before waving Anakin over. Does this look like the bombs you found yesterday? R2-D2's optic lens rotated, along with the hum and vibration of an active scan. Anakin sent Mill down and knelt beside Obi-Wan to look inside the abandoned building. It does, he said, his initial hunch confirmed, but studying it closer to be certain. Same orange material. The wiring follows the same design, and the igniter unit is the same. So is the remote signal processor. And the explosive form, it's about the same size. And... Anakin noted, it's still sloppy, but this, he said, gesturing around them, doesn't make sense. The other bombs were all within a radius of the trial. All of those targets meant something to this community. Anakin shook his head, then glanced around for a full view of their surroundings. This is just an abandoned warehouse. It makes no sense. Ah! Mill let out, hands to her head. She stood up, pushing Anakin away when he tried to help. 
No, I need to fight through this. This person is near. Somewhere close by. Her knees buckled, but she grunted, steadying herself. I won't let this overwhelm me. I can control this. A series of quick chirps and whistles came from R2-D2, rapid enough that Anakin put his hand on his lightsaber hilt. How did you disarm this before? Obi-Wan asked. Complete manual rewiring. It takes a little bit of effort. The bomber may not be precise, but they had a good teacher. Keep an eye out, Anakin said, reaching in to remove the bomb from its mounting struts. I need to be careful with this. Gravel ground beneath Anakin's boots as he pulled the device out. Obi-Wan stepped back to give him some space as he set the armed device down on the alley's stone paving. Anakin turned to him, then quickly looked at Mill, who gritted her teeth as she pushed her way to straighten up. It's coming closer. The anger. Then I better hurry. But as soon as he leaned over to begin the disarmament, a voice shouted out, Step away from the bomb, Jedi! Anakin whirled around, his lightsaber pulling into his hand and igniting in a single move. By then, Obi-Wan's weapon reflected blue across his face as well, but he held out a single hand, motioning Anakin to slow down. And Anakin listened. He eyed the guard standing across the street from them. The young Namoidian, who gave the fiery speech during the trial. Both of his hands held something. The left, a pistol drawn on them, and the right, a small device. Finger on the trigger. Kita, Obi-Wan said, his voice slowing. Enough people have been hurt. Put the detonator down and let's talk. You won't get through to him, Mill said. He's in a state of rage. I can feel it. Anakin looked at the space around him, searching for vulnerabilities. Despite being more ordinary and in slight disrepair, many of the surrounding structures were still the rounded designs typical of the culture's aesthetics. But in terms of immediate help, the environment provided no tricks. It would just take speed, a burst to rush over and slice the detonator. Or he could push Kitar down with the force, hopefully knocking the detonator out of his hand, or pull the detonator as he would any object on the ground. Those all came with the same risk. If Kitar realized what was happening, his thumb would hit the button and set off the bomb. A thought crept into his mind, one that he pushed out as soon as it arrived. If he had Count Dooku's mastery over lightning, one zap would likely be enough to shock Kitar fast enough to knock him out and safely free the detonator. Anakin, let me talk to him, Obi-Wan said under his breath, as if he knew that Anakin was already considering ways to rush him. You heard, Mill. You're not getting through to him right now. I'm going to try. Give me a chance. Anakin nodded, 
letting Obi-Wan do what he did best. But he didn't like the odds, or have the patience required to let this play out. Obi-Wan's lightsaber retracted, and he put both hands up. You see, Obi-Wan said, We are calm. We are here to talk. I spoke of good faith before, and I intend to keep it. From the side of his mouth, he spoke quietly. Disarm yourself. I hope you know what you're doing, Anakin said, drawing his plasma blade back into its hilt. Kita, Obi-Wan said. Were those your bombs around the Grand Theater of Judgment? You, he said in a low, icy tone. He stared at Anakin. You must be the one from the communicator. Did you take my bombs? That was me, Anakin responded. Still couldn't figure out why you picked those targets. I don't know, I thought that was some nice architecture. Some of the finest in our culture's history, he said, his voice seething. Master, Mill said, you're pushing him. I don't know if this is a good idea. Look at you. Look at the way you mock us. The same as long as I can remember. The way the Republic treats Namoidians. The way they treated generations of my family. Why would I destroy pillars of Namoidian culture? Because then the Republic might finally see we are more than asset traders. Because they would see... His voice rose. The smoking remains of everything the Jedi Emissary blew away. I guess he was framing you, Anakin whispered. Obi-Wan nodded, then turned to the young guard. Kita, he tried again. I understand your grievances against the Republic. You're not wrong, but please listen to the evidence. We did not cause the catastrophe on Ketasura. You can help us. Rogue trusts me. You can trust me too. Don't speak about my partner. You've corrupted her. Obi-Wan took a step forward, hands up as he tried a different tactic. You can take the lead on the investigation of my evidence, he said, specifically omitting Rogue from that detail. You could be a hero to both the Republic and the Separatists. Your actions could be the one thing that drives the galaxy to peace. You want to help your people. You want to help the Trade Federation. This is your opportunity. Please work with me and take it. Obi-Wan looked over at Mill. What are you sensing? He asked under his breath. Anguish. Confusion. He's still very angry. But you've enough chatter between you. Stop plotting against me. I am in control here. A discharge came from his pistol, and Anakin reached into the force to project out its trajectory and final landing spot. A warning shot with no target. He let it fly past them, and Obi-Wan similarly didn't move. It seared into the building's wall, leaving a black pockmark, debris crumbling to the ground. Yes, Kitar, Anakin said. This is your show. You're in control. 
Don't speak of Rug anymore. I know all about your Jedi powers. Rug has made her own choices, Obi-Wan said. I have not influenced her at all. Then she is a traitor to Neimoidians everywhere. Kita, Obi-Wan said, trying to reframe the discussion. Listen to me. No one has to know about the bombs you planted. No one has to know about this bomb right here, next to this infirmary. Though no one said it, Kitar's plans suddenly connected in Anakin's mind. If this was all about framing Obi-Wan for disrespecting the Neimoidian people, then the targets would all be things that mattered to their culture and community, rather than to the Trade Federation as an organization. Buildings and statues of cultural significance and the unguarded wounded. These bombs can be erased from history. And instead, you can be the one who said that you wished to take the first step toward peace. Use my evidence, I beg of you. You can be the hero the galaxy needs right now. This will give you everything you want. Greater recognition of the Neimoidian people. A resolution to the greatest crime Cato Neimoidia has ever seen and vindication for your family bloodline. Another good speech, Anakin whispered. And though Kita probably couldn't see it, Anakin caught the corner of Obi-Wan's mouth curling upward. Something's happening to him, Mill said. His emotions are like a cloud of different colors. Now's my chance while he's distracted. Anakin glanced over at Obi-Wan, who remained still. He's unstable. Kitar slowly slid the pistol into his hip holster. A gesture that got all of their attention. But the detonator still sat in his other raised hand. That part didn't change. His free hand went up to the side of his helmet. Details remained too quiet to hear, but someone talked into his ear. Someone's on his calm, Anakin said. I should take him now. I hope it's Rook. Obi-Wan whispered. No, he's still got the detonator. One move and he blows it up. We're not that fast. Whoever called Kitar finished, and the guard reaffirmed his stance, red eyes wide. He took a step toward them as he drew his pistol back out. You claim I would be a hero, he said. But bringing the Trade Federation closer to the Republic would make me a traitor. We will not be forced under the thumb of Republic rule. Ventress told me all about you, Jedi. The way you manipulate people. The way you control their emotions. I've already seen what you've done to Rug. How you twist the truth. How the Republic gives you free reign to do as you please. I said it at the trial, and I will say it here again. No more. You tried to hide your crimes. I will make that impossible. Ventress, Obi-Wan said, a rare curse under his breath before returning to full volume. The spirit of cooperation is necessary for galactic peace. We must come together to stop this outside group that has unleashed havoc on your homeworld. Please look at my evidence. The Republic is not to blame here. You're wasting your time. His voice took a grim turn, 
and his fingers flexed around the pistol grip. He looked up with a startling, unblinking clarity in his red eyes. You don't understand. Oh, no, Mills said with a gasp. I don't care who bombed Katasura. His words combined with growing fury. I don't know, and I don't care. That was never the point. The only thing that matters is what happens now. The Republic has looked down on Namordians for far too long. Neutrality is not the path here. The only way to save my people is for them to join Count Dooku's movement. Count Dooku will save the galaxy. He may speak highly of your order, but he also understands the true nature of things. Anakin could feel Obi-Wan's burn at the last sentence, a clear indicator that yet another variable was in play. Ventress has been in your ear as an agent of Count Dooku. Give me the same amount of time you've given her. I offer you only words. Anakin put his hand on his lightsaber hilt just in case. He's too far gone. Whoever spoke to him on his calm, it's pushed him over the edge, Mill said, stepping behind Anakin. It was Ventress. She's manipulating his idealism. Perhaps we should run. Escaping the blast radius is our only chance. Obi-Wan whispered. You pick up the youngling. Our two will need to use his rockets. There has to be another way. The infirmary. We have to save them. Anakin grabbed at the force, slowing down everything around him to seek some solution that might save everyone. The best thing he could think of was a coordinated force pool. Two at the same time from him and Obi-Wan. One on Kitar himself to yank him forward, and the other on the detonator. That might get it out of his hand cleanly enough for him to... No more words! Kitar yelled. Step away from my bomb! Or he could turn and sever the bomb's wires in one lightsaber swing and hope that was enough. He knew what wires to pull. This would be less precise than the other bombs, but the force would guide him. Obi-Wan would take care of the rest. Anakin, we must run. The blast radius is set. But if we survive, we can get to the data center and show the evidence to the Republic. No. I'm coming up with a plan. We're going to save everyone. This is war. In war, there are impossible choices. We must get the evidence to the Republic. I tire of your stalling. Get away from my bomb. Something shifted in Kitar's stance, as if he'd reached some kind of epiphany. No, it doesn't matter. A new steadiness came to his voice. I don't need to survive this. He's calm now, Mill said. Like something turned off all his emotions. All his colors went dark. That's not good, Anakin said. He put his hand up, the force acting as an extension of his own hand. He just about felt the detonator through the ether when a crackle popped from high above, cutting through the air like thunder.
We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. Now the opening of this part was slow. A lot of talking and no, well, I'm not going to say it, but if you have heard of the show before, you know what I am thinking. We did learn a lot about Anakin though, and how he really didn't want a Padawan. But really we knew that from the Clone Wars. Yoda had to force him to take on Ahsoka. The second part was a little more thrilling. Mill started to send someone evil and full of rage. This is when R2-D2 sensed the bomb. As they went to disarm it, Kitar came up upon them. Now for the third part, it was just more of the same. Obi-Wan trying to talk to Kitar, and Kitar getting more and more angry. There was one point that I thought that Obi-Wan might be getting to him, but someone was talking to him through an earpiece, and they messed it all up. It was probably Ventress. Then Mill sensed that he was going to blow them up, and Anakin knew that he had to do something, and that's where this part came to an end, leaving us on a cliffhanger. And that's something that I don't like. Something else that I noticed about this story is that all the long parts are just talking, which drives me crazy. Why can't we have the long parts being more action-filled? But overall, there was a lot of suspense, and that was about it. Nothing really to write home about. So I think it's about that time we get to the quote of the week, and it comes to us from Mark Kane. And he said, the first steps towards success is taken when you refuse to be a captive of the environment in which you first find yourself. The environment we grow up plays a significant role in shaping who we are and what we become. It can either limit us or propel us towards success. However, true success lies in refusing to be a captive of our environment and taking control of our own lives. This quote reminds us that the first step towards success is to break free from the constraints of our environment and create our own path towards success. Let me give you an example of how this quote can be applied in real life. Samantha, who grew up in a low-income neighborhood, her parents worked long hours just to make ends meet, and she had to help out with chores and taking care of her younger siblings. She could have easily became a victim of her environment and let her circumstance dictate her future. However, she refused to let the environment define her and took control of her own life. She recognized that education was the key to her success and made a conscious effort to excel academically. Despite the many challenges she faced, she also found solace in sports and discovered her passion for basketball. She joined the school team and worked hard to become a star player. Through her hard work and dedication, Samantha earned a scholarship. By refusing to be a captive of her environment, she not only succeeded in achieving her dreams, but also became an inspiration to her community. Her story serves as a reminder that success is not determined by our environment, but by our actions and choices. So I encourage you to take the first step towards success. Do this by refusing to be captive of your environment. Choose to take control of your life and create your own path towards success, despite the challenges you may face. Remember, your success is not limited by your environment, but by your own choices and actions. Okay, I think that's all I have for this episode. Join us next week for part 45 of Star Wars Brotherhood. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away. <laughs>